This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. everybody and welcome to keep screaming a horror podcast by two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one i finally got it and i didn't even look at the website while i was reading it but right before we started yeah uh so if you guys are new to the show this is keep screaming my name is ryan larson this is my co-host b bass hello uh, we are, we come to, uh, the podcast comes out bi-weekly and we take one slasher movie at a time and just fully dissect it as much as we can, kind of break down the kills and what we thought about it, where it stands in the um, the total slasher spectrum, uh, and then at the end of every episode we do rank them. If you go to our website, keepscreaming.com, we do have posters that B makes because she's an excellent graphic designer and she does uh posters for each movie that we talk about so you can find those at keepscreaming.com uh and you can find us online at at screaming cast online uh at twitter or on instagram and i'm at ryan larson on twitter and she's at b not b b e e not b e a uh on twitter and that's all of our social media stuff just get it out right at the beginning come say hi yes uh, so we like to do a pop culture check-in every episode before we kind of dive into the movie. It is February 11th, just so you guys know, and as I'm sure you know by the title of the podcast episode, we are talking about the original My Bloody Valentine, and it is the 37-year anniversary to the day of the original 1981 My Bloody Valentine movie, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, it came out in the U.S. theaters this day. Before we were born. Yep, thankfully. Not that old yet. But, yeah, it's exciting. I like when we tie in. Um, Yeah, and we didn't even mean to. No. That was a pure coincidence. I just looked it up. It came out like the 13th in Canada. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And then I saw the 11th. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yep, very cool. Um, What? I watched Tragedy Girls. Me too. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, A movie made for us. Yeah, absolutely. If you listen to, you can find it on our iTunes feed or anywhere you can find the podcast, so iTunes or Stitcher or uh, CastBox. Uh, We did a crossover episode with Brandon Klein, who does um, Scream 101, and we talked about how Tragedy Girls probably would have been on our end of the year list if we had seen it in time, which none of us had. No, I, when it came out, or like, I don't I don't know if I watched a trailer. I think maybe like a teaser, something really small. And just from everything I saw, I'm like, oh my god, this movie is like playing to all my tastes. And I looked up theaters, because I was like, I'll drive a couple hours to go see it. That'll be fun. Like, it'll be a fun trip for Ryan, and I will go see it. I think the clo- closest place it was playing in theaters to us, and we're in Sacramento, was like LA. I think so. And yeah. I was like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. It is like December, yeah. and we are not driving to LA to go see a movie. Um, but we finally, but I mean, it came out this week. Yes. I think it, it's been about out about a week. So mm-hmm. I rented it on Amazon. Only four ninety nine. you guys. Um, don't. Illegally download it, support indie horror. Yeah, um, or just buy it. Or just buy it because it's worth owning. It was super good. It was, 
And I had very high expectations going in. Um, one, because I knew it was something that the whole post scream and very aware of itself and, you know, two female leads who are like quirky and killing people and, you know, sounds great and it was great. The two leads are excellent. They're so good. They're so good. And what I really like about the script of this film, not only is it, you know, a fun take on um, the whole slasher idea of kind of our final girls actually being the killers, which is not a spoiler. This is, it's very clear that these two girls are sort of using um, the idea of killing people in their small town to get famous, basically, by reporting on it. That is the plot synopsis. Yeah. Not a spoiler. So not a spoiler. Don't worry. Um, I won't spoil it because I want everybody to be able to see it and take what they want from it. But I thought besides that, it did such a good job of painting a really realistic portrait of friendship. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially friendship at that age. I mean, I was a teenage girl not too long ago. And I am lucky that I am still best friends with, like, my two female best friends that I was in high school. But it's, like, tough. And you, like, navigate through a lot of things, especially when it comes to, like, your goals of where you're going to go after high school and who you're going to date and who else you're going to hang out with. And when you're so close to another person at that age, it's, like, they're along the ride with you. And they showed that, and it was super relatable to me. I mean, I didn't go on a killing spree with my best friend in high school, but, you know. That we know of. That we know of, you guys. Uh, Maybe that'll come out later. Who knows? Um, But I love that aspect of it. All the supporting cast, I mean, Jay Hutch was in it, which I fangirled because I'm never going to not fangirl over him. Yeah, I didn't know he he was was on a motorcycle. Oh, me either. Yeah. They just popped up on a motorcycle, and I'm like, whew. Oh, oh man. All right. Hello. What's up? It was great. And he played like a D-bag. He's so douchey. It's great. Just I like love it. Just like saying the most like cliched yeah. Tumblr memes of all time. No, and I think it was great too because, you know, the last time we did the podcast, I had just watched Ingrid Goes West. Mm-hmm. And I think these movies are super similar. They'd mm-hmm. actually make for a really good double feature. Um, uh, Tragedy Girls did... What Ingrid Goes West did with the commentary on how um, the social media ideal and your uh, impression on social media, they're talking about kind of two different things, like the Instagram and then the Tumblr thing. But very similar, and I think Tragedy Girls uh, hit it home better for me, Mm -hmm. where I felt like it was a better commentary on what social media does to people, where I feel like, my like slight disappointment in Ingrid Goes West towards how they dealt with it. Um, Charging Girls did it right. Like it didn't miss the mark and did make a very interesting um, commentary on how social media is shaping people and young people and their behavior because mm-hmm. that's what this movie is completely about. And there was like a couple horror like slasher things that lacked for me. And I think they could have, uh, there's a, they kind of like throw in this iconic slasher um, figure in the mix. And I think they could have done some cooler stuff with that character. Besides that, and that is only a complaint because I did love the movie. And so I'm going to be extra hard on it. Holy, fantastic, amazing. And um, yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's a great 
a great idea for where indie horror is going. Mm-hmm. And I think that if this movie would have had like a big release, it would have been super successful. I think it would have done very well, yeah. especially with like the right marketing campaign. Yeah. And especially with where Hollywood's going, just like with female empowerment, because like it's super about that, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very like, it's never. like it's never demeaning in any sense with that way like either like i don't know it's like sometimes i watch like because it's written by a guy um and so sometimes i watch movies like that and they're written by guys and like you can tell they're written by guys and you're like uh like that was good but you can tell it's written by a guy because like they'll make some like joke that you're like i don't know it's just like a little off base but this one i felt was not that it was very like lived in it felt very real like b said like obviously i didn't grow up as a teenage girl but i did grow up with all of my best friends as teenage women so i i like he knew when i was a teenage girl that's when ryan and i met yeah i was still in high school and all of my friends were like all my best friends growing up were always girls too so like i just i thought the movie was very like realistic in that way um and i loved all of the like nods to classic slashers um, and like it plays on all those tropes very well. I, I like my perfect triple bill for this is Detention and The Final Girls because it has that very like meta look at horror, but also it's super glossy, um, very like neon with its colors. It's just very bright, mm-hmm. lots of like bright yellows, bright pinks, which I love. Um, and uh, like B said, it, it is a direction that indie horror seems to be moving in with the movies like The Babysitter, I felt was very much the same way. Yeah. Um, I thought this even did what, like, because one of my problems with The Babysitter is I, I don't like when, like, a gimmick is set up and then it's kind of, like, forgotten. And I thought, like, that happened in The Babysitter with, like, the text appearing yeah, on I screen and stuff. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because as I was watching it, I was like, this is so in the vein of The Babysitter. And so many people had complaints about, like, oh, God, I hate when that stuff, like, pops up on the screen. And I'm like, why? It's a movie about kids. That's how they communicate. Mm -hmm. And they use it in this film, too. They use it in Ingrid Goes West. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a device to show, like, this is so centered on how these people communicate. And so we're going to use this as a device in the film. And I think if it fits your characters and fits your story why not use it Mm -hmm. and i i agree with you like i'm i never have a problem with that stuff appearing i don't like when it's like forgotten about yeah when you're like halfway through a movie you're like where'd that text go like why did they stop doing that and i thought the babysitter kind of did that because that's kind of the direction the movie lends itself in anyways but this movie didn't like it just follows through on like it's really consistent yeah super consistent and the leads are just fantastic um, so this was a big win for me. I already ordered my copy on Amazon because I need to own the blue and we will be talking about it yes. one day. We're on, so excited because it's actually show. a movie, a new movie that we can talk about. That's a slasher. Yeah. And like we can record on the show cause we'll watch something. And we're like, Oh, that was really good. All we're going to get to do is talk about it when we watch it in our little pop culture check-in. But yep. this movie we will get to dive into. So we'll kind of leave it at that, but go support it. Um, all of the creators, the producers, everybody who's on Twitter is super vocal. Is trying to spread the word. So they're all super cool too. Yeah. Just like if you if you like tag them, they will totally like ever the writer, the director, everyone has reached out to me every time I've tweeted about it. And they're like, thank you so much for your support. Like it means so much to us. So yeah, go support these guys because yeah. they're super awesome. We um, need more movies like this to get me. Yeah, and the creative team did a movie called Patchwork too that you can watch. I think on Netflix. 
If not, you can definitely rent it through Amazon, but it's also a lot of fun. So definitely go check those out. Uh, B, what else you watch? Um, so I found that like really good indie slasher called Dead Body on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. And I was drawn to it because of the poster art. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, so I decided to try another one. Uh-huh. And it was called WTF! Exclamation part. Exclamation park. Exclamation mark. Um, Press Hilton's in it. So, uh... So Bees watched two movies with Press Hilton. Yeah. We talked about it in our, um, Most Likely to Die episode. Like, why is he in this? Is He's not going to be in anything else. Well, he is. He's in a little slasher called WTF. Um, I didn't finish it. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I got, like... There just wasn't any killing happening. I got to, like, the climax of the film, and it was, like, 90 minutes in. And, like, the first kill happened. And I was, like, I was doing other stuff. I needed something that I didn't have to pay attention to. I think I was designing. And I was, like, ah, yeah. And then I had to get up and do something. I just never returned. You can skip that one. Um, Not the best. Yeah, B texted me at, like, 1030, and she's, like, I'm watching this movie called WTF. And I immediately just looked up the trailer, and I was, like, why? Oh, no, I didn't watch the trailer. I just, like, okay. I think that would have saved you some time. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. I wasn't really doing anything. I'd just be watching New Girl. Um, that's what else I've been doing. I'm starting my, like, re I go through my rotations of my, like, go-to comfort shows, and I'm on New Girl. Because what did I just finish? Happy Endings. Just finished Happy Endings. Now I'm on New Girl. Final season's about to premiere, so you gotta rewatch. What is it, a three-year flash forward? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's great, too, because, I mean, I've been watching this movie, or this show, since it came out, but for whatever reasons, this is the first time my husband's paid attention, and so he's been watching it with me, and he likes it, and so it's another one that we can, like, add to something we can watch together, which is hard, because we have very different taste. Nick Miller's the best. That's why. Well, and Schmidt. I love Nick Miller, but Schmidt is, like, my favorite. I love Schmidt in the first, like, season or two, and then he gets, like, too Schmitty. And then I'm all about Nick Miller. Yeah. They dial it back, though. Especially when Nick becomes friends with that old Asian guy. Like, that kills me Um, when that starts happening. Oh, my God. Because you said it, I can't think of his name. He's, like, heavy in the season I'm in. Like, season four or something. Yeah. Um, Anywho, New Girl's great. Um, And then I've been watching the original Star Trek. Um, My plan, I want to try and get through all of it. Um, all of Star Trek. I love... And then she'll watch Next Generation. Yes. I So I haven't seen... I've seen the original Star Trek. Um, my mom was a big fan. Um, I've seen it a few times. I've always really liked it. And I watched it maybe one or two years ago. And then I'm watching it again because I just really love the original series. But I've never seen Next Gen. Which and is so, my favorite. <laughs> so I'm watching... Um, I'm watching through, and I've just decided I'm finally going to, like, just go in order. Um, I'm going to go in order of release, not chronologically, I've yeah. decided. Because I looked it up, like, what's the best way to go all the way through Star Trek? And they're like, well, you can watch, like, some of them, which are, like, prequels or something like that. Like, you could watch it in this order, Because, like, it's I think good. Enterprise is a prequel, right? Which there's was the one... second newest one. Yeah, there's one yeah. of them that is a prequel. The one with Scott Bakula, I think, is a prequel. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you can watch that one before. They have, like, nicknames, like the dark one and the female-led one, like the different TV shows. So um, I love Star Trek. I mean, I love the original series. And I love, love, love the J.J. Abrams films. Um, Massive fan of that series. And I'm excited. I'm hoping we get more with the current cast. 
I've really liked, I really like Deep Space Nine. There's one though. There's Next Generation Deep Space Nine, and there's another one. I always forget. That's one I like. Voyager. Never, yes, never yeah. watched Voyager. Yeah. And then the new one, I watched the pilot, the one that's on air right now, Discovery. Uh, Discovery. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. I really like this. Awesome. Like this was good. And then I like recorded it, and then it like didn't pop up, and I was like, huh, why didn't Star Trek record? And then, sure enough, I see, like, the CBS All Access, and I was like, yep. uh. You gotta have CBS's All Access. Yeah, and then I look, and I'm, like, not against that. It kind of sucks that I have CBS. I pay for cable, and I don't get it, so whatever. That's kind of annoying. Not against an add-on, but until they add something besides one show that yeah. I want to watch, I won't pay What's Once Twilight extra. Zone goes up on there, yeah. I'll, I'll Yeah, when they start it. getting more material, I'll, um, I'll definitely check in, because uh, Star Trek. Hashtag yeah. Star Trek. Star Trek. Uh, yeah, so I watched Tragedy Girls, the other, uh, another slasher actually that we will eventually talk about on the show. I watched, I finally got my blue uh, Victor Crowley, so I watched that. Um, it's been very surprisingly polarized online, uh, which I didn't expect at all. Yeah. I don't understand what people expected from this movie because it it's very much in tone with like it reminded me a lot of the first movie. And I actually even thought the characters were a little more fleshed out. But, like, I see some people complaining about, like, the humor yeah, in it. Yeah, that's mainly what I see. They're like, oh, like, the first one in which we talk about it is, like, plays pretty straight. They're like, oh, it's, like, so ridiculous, over-the-top, like, humor. And, I mean, I haven't watched it. But that's the biggest complaint I see is people, like, upset with the comedy aspect of it. I, like, I mean, it's definitely funnier but like i i didn't think it's not it's not like adam green was like i'm gonna make a comedy instead of a slasher now and i i really liked it it's everybody's complaint right now everybody's like too funny too many jokes yeah like yeah i think we've been so saturated with these like really dark and broody and depressing horror which are really good but as soon as you start throwing jokes into something like it yeah. or Victor Crowley, and people are like, whoa, 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 whoa! You're too funny. Too many jokes. I'm wearing a Monster Squad shirt right now, so like, I love comedy and horror. Um, so I have no problem with it. I thought it was great. Super over the top, like bloody. There's a kill scene in it that tops maybe any of the kill scenes in any of the other movies. I wow. thought it was fantastic. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I don't know what everyone was complaining about. I thought it was super fun. Plus, I just. I love knowing that Kane Hodder loves that role so much, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me enjoy the role even more. So, all, and, and the fact that like Adam Green can still do this and just like create indie horror and do um, you know do it on this micro budget. He's you know him and Joe Lynch both have a cameo in the movie, which is a lot of fun. So I, I thought it was cool. I had no problems with it. Uh, I don't understand where the hate's coming from. Um, and that's pretty much it. I was I went on like a, a mini vacation to Arizona. So I didn't watch anything while I was there. I watched a lot, I, watched, I, I hung out with a four-year-old, so we watched a lot of superhero movies because I was trying to get him into comic books like I do with, like, every kid I ever meet. So that's yeah. that's what I've been doing. Oh, yeah, B's wearing a Marvel t-shirt right now. Yeah. So, yeah, not much of a pop culture check-in for me, but uh, Victor Crowley and Tragedy Girls, I was pretty satisfied with the movies that I watched. Um, I like being able to watch new slasher movies mm-hmm. uh especially like 
it's always great when I discover a slasher. I'm like, I've never seen this before. Like earlier this or last year, I was able to watch like Night School, and I was like, oh, what is this? You know. But like the fact that new slasher movies are coming out, and I'm like watching them at the same time as everybody else is newly discovering them. That's what like it's it's a really fun thing to do. So I had no complaints with it. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we're gonna dive into my bloody Valentine from 1981. So the story is Valentine's Day is coming around and young people of the small mining town of Valentine's Bluff are organizing a party. A few decades earlier, an explosion at the mine trapped six miners underground. One Harry Warden survived, though in a deranged state. Warden is sent to a mental hospital but escapes and murders those he deems responsible for the mine accident. Now people are being brutally murdered again and the townsfolk suspect that it is the work of Harry Warden. Uh, pretty hilarious. So, I think I've seen this once, like, a long time ago. Like, a decade ago. Uh, so I didn't remember almost anything about it. And I've watched the remake a lot. Like, I've seen the remake probably five or six times. So my connection to the My Bloody Valentine, like, series is mostly to the remake. Yeah. Uh, so there were things about this, like, going through and watching it now. Uh, Valentine's Bluff is the silliest name for a town Mm-hmm. Now I need to know if there's a real town called that. I know you told me I'm not allowed to type, but I just have to know. Just don't pound your keyboard. Yeah, I know. No. Okay, there's not. I, I was like, it's the silliest name. What if there is a town called that? I don't want to offend our Valentine's Bluff listeners. Uh, it's the silliest name for a town ever. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just trying to throw in. This is why, I think it's like an excuse for why the town would hold like an annual Valentine's Day dance. Yes. But I think that's so cool. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, part of the fun of Valentine's Day, like, I loved it as a kid. I don't really celebrate it as an adult. But I am married. It's not like I'm, like, a humbug love day. It's just not as fun. I'm like, well, because as a kid, you were, like, with 30 other kids, and you brought each other cards. Yeah, you brought, you, brought you made candy. Valentine's. If you were, like, a Waldorf kid, you made your own. And you had, like, a little party with sweets. And, like, it was just super fun. And, like... Everything was all decorated. And yeah, sometimes there'd be like dances at schools and stuff. So I, mm. like, I like that part of Valentine's Day where it's all just being really nice to everybody and like telling your friends and your, why you, why you like them. And I love that. And I wish there was a easier, I know Valentine's Day has gotten super big lately. Like a, Thanks Parks and Rec. Yeah. To celebrate like your, your friends. And I love that. And this is kind of cool. I was like, oh, man, if I lived in a town, kind of reminded me of our hometown has, mm-hmm. like, Pumpkin Fest. Yeah. And so probably one of the many reasons Ryan and I are so in love with Halloween and we feel such a strong connection to it is our town did get all decorated for Halloween. Like, you drive down the main strip and there's, like, little poles that have, like, Halloween decorations Oh, yeah. There's, like, a and, huge festival And there's a whole people, a parade. And yeah, like, there's a parade and people make scarecrows yeah. and little community haunted houses. Yeah, so it's, like, a huge deal. So our town, like, gets really into it. And I'm like, if we did something like that for Valentine's Day, like, Valentine's Day would be way more fun. And I so, definitely, I like the town a lot. Like, I thought... Because it's a coal mining town. Yeah. Like, and you can definitely... And they went to a real Yeah, it's coal filmed in town. Nova Scotia at an actual, like, coal mining town that, unfortunately, even at the time, most of it was getting shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels, like, very, like, small and lived in, which I really like. Yeah. Like, the bar they go to feels like a real dive bar. Yeah. 
Like, and the fact that they're, like, it's just crowded as hell. There's, like, 30 of them in there. There's 12 of them crammed at a table for five. The whole town's there. Yeah, like, and so I did very much enjoy, like, that aspect of, like, this little town. And, like, the the whole town, like, gets involved with this, like, community. It was, it's cool because, like, with a lot of slashers, you see this same sort of thing happen, but it's a school. Like, it's always, like, oh, the school or this frat is doing it, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, that's how you kind of, like, set up your slasher movie. It's, like, oh, you know, the the boys and girls of this frat and sorority are, like, getting together. But, like, for this, it was the whole town. The whole town, yeah. And it's kind of cool because it's based on, like, this, like, because of what happens, it's based on this folklore now that's in this town. Because it's, it's a few decades old and, like, the older citizens of the town know how real it is. But the young kids who are now doing, like, the coal mining kind of act like it's a joke um and like that it's very exaggerated and that was like it's they almost act like it was a scary story like their parents told them um but like like an urban legend yeah but the the older like citizens of the town all know that it's like very real because they remember living through it yeah so i i really like dug that whole aspect um just now reading the synopsis though i realized how close to friday the 13th the setup is in the sense that it's like I, like how Jason died because camp counselors weren't paying attention. So then he comes back to kill camp. It's like all these miners died because yeah. their bosses weren't paying attention. They were having a party instead. And then Harry Warden comes back to kill the bosses. So it's it's a similar setup. Yeah, I loved it too. Whenever I watch a film and then I realize that it follows like the scream rules, which mm-hmm. this one does. Yeah, And so I always love that because obviously they – factored those rules off of something the 80s slashers that follow very similar plots and so i love this because you know at the part where the valentine's day dance they have valentine's day dance and it makes harry warden mad that they're celebrating when they forgot about everybody um that's like the same thing in scream where they're like go back to the party so it's always like oh you're returning you're still celebrating that's the big party scene is when like all the kills happen so I always love that when it like ties into those. I mean, they're tropes for a reason. Yep, absolutely. I know. And this is, I mean, this is 1981. I mean, same year Prom Night came out, same year Terror Train came out. How weird do you think it'd be if we grew up in the 80s and like horror tropes weren't a thing yet because they were still being made? Um, and we'd be like... Really weird. I don't like, I don't know what I would do. You'd just be like, oh, this is, this is really similar to Friday the 13th. This happens. This oh, is cool. brand new. I've yeah. never seen this before. Uh, it was, it cost $2.3 million, uh, and it made 5.6-ish, almost so 5.7. it basically broke even. Yeah. It was uh, a mild success. It has very much become a cult classic. Yeah. Uh, as a lot of slashers do. I would put this at the forefront of, like, the cult classic slashers, though. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, right on that line where if you're... Like, not a genre fan. Of course, you know what, like, Halloween is, and you know um, what Friday the 13th, and you know Nightmare. Um, but you may know about My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. The remake helps, of course. So, but, yeah, yeah. But even before that, it'd be one of those things like, oh, yeah, 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 I heard that. And it being a holiday slasher, I think, helps that, too. Yeah. It's one of those, like, because there's cult classics when you're a genre fan. Like, when yeah. you're a hardcore genre fan, you like have cult Blood classics. Rage. Like, Blood Rage or The Mutilator. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're not, you have cult classics like My Bloody Valentine yeah. or The Burning. So yeah. uh, this falls, like, right in line with those. Yeah, where it's just, like, just hits the cusp of being, like, a mainstream, you know, this movie. Um, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, pretty good. 
For an 80 slasher, pretty yeah, damn good. Pretty yeah. good. Um, no sequels. How? I don't know. It sets you up for one. So that's oh, always yeah. our note. Like, um, are there sequels? No. Does it set you up for one? Not really. This one, like, literally, he walks, so he's like running away singing like a Valentine's like little charm. Yeah, the Ballad of Harry Warren yeah. is what he's singing. Yeah. And and then in the credits roll, and you're like, okay, sequel. Like, what the hell? I guess it didn't make enough money. I don't, like, breaking even, I don't know. I Like, it, it's interesting, too, because the remake never got a sequel either, and no. it did very well. It did very well. But all of those, fr- the Friday the 13th remake did very well. Yeah. Didn't get anything spawned from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know there's a lot of trouble with that, but they had plenty of opportunity to make a sequel off of that. Um, and they should have. And I cry every day they didn't. And My Bloody Valentine was a box office success. It was not mild. It was a big success. Yeah, it was also one of the first, like, when 3D came back into fashion. Oh, it was, like, so right at the forefront yeah. of that, too. Uh, so- Nightmare on Elm Street was a success. Mm-hmm. Nothing. We yeah. got nothing out of all those, like, slasher revivals. We got them. We got the remakes. I think and that's it. the one thing we can thank those remakes for, we never got sequels to them. But I think their success greenlit Scream 4. Yeah. So I, I'm thankful for that, at yeah. least. Because it was, like, right at the tail end of those. Yeah, Scream 2010. Four yeah, right Did we decide? There. Yeah, I saw it in Santa Cruz. Uh, it has, like, a million taglines. They're all great. Uh, and and the poster is, is... So most of the posters we've looked at so far from this era have been illustrated. This one's a photograph. This one's a photograph with with some illustration to it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a man wearing a miner's mask and the eyes are popped out so he's just like very wide-eyed looking at the camera and his helmet is illuminated the light is but inside the light is the valentine's day dance yeah it's it's a really cool image it's weird um like you look at it and you're like oh something's off and it's because there's no like covers over his eyes mm-hmm. which are always on the mask so it seems like oh god like what is this a guy staring at you um it ruins it the guy's white now we know Oh, yeah. Well, there, uh, spoiler, there are no black people in this movie. There's no people of any other race except for white in this movie. Well, they are like a mining town in Nova Scotia. In Nova Scotia. So, uh, they're uh, so Canadian. Guys. Yeah, really. Like, real Canadian. You're like 15 minutes into this movie, and if you didn't know, you were like, you would definitely be like, holy shit, these guys are so Canadian. Yeah, and if you didn't think that, then you'd at least think they were from Minnesota. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or they, Wisconsin. Hard, hardcore got, yeah. yeah, it's, especially... There's a couple times where they're like, they, they sing in the bar, and I was like, holy shit, they're so Canadian. You're Canadian. Yeah. You're damn Canadians. Um, there is a hand-illustrated type on this, which is beautiful, and I love it, and I'm very in tune with um, the sort of Celtic uh, Valentine's tradition, and I love the typography. Um, yeah, it's super good. Yeah, I it's really, really like good. It. Um, there's more than one way to lose your heart is the tagline on like the main poster for Paramount. Um, then there's a ton, which are all great and, uh, cross your heart and hope to die. This Mm -hmm. Valentine's day romance is dead. Harry's out to steal your heart. Um, heart, heart burn. (laughs) Um, Sarah be my bloody Valentine, which is like what he says at the very end. Yeah. Um, that's the main, that's our final girl. Yeah. It's such a cold movie. You'll want to see it over and over again. Wow. You know a dad wrote that yeah, one. Yeah. That's a Ben joke right there. Um, and Valentine's Day will never be the same again. 
So, I mean, and when you're playing off, it's any kind of, like, holiday slasher that already has things. Like, it's awesome when you have taglines. If you don't take advantage of it, then you're failing. Oh, yeah, man. If you are, if your movie is based on something that already has, like, a ton of different, like, mottos that go with it. Like, Halloween and Valentine's Day and Christmas. All of these things. Like, if your tagline doesn't have to deal with that, you're you're failing. Your marketing department has failed you. Yeah, because... (laughs) They're so, like, I don't care. It's not cheesy to me. Like, in the, even if it is cheesy, I'm like, wow, that's cheesy in the best way possible. Like, I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the main poster. There's I also like the type that's in the film where it's, like, the Sarah font that's, like, My Bloody Valentine. And mm. then it's, like, the two bleeding hearts oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. make the O's in bloody. Um, that's really nice, too. I enjoy that from my typographic standpoint. Uh, Paul Zora, Paul Zara does the score. He also did Prom Night, Murder by Decree, Porky's. He did a movie called Gas, which apparently, like everyone who was in this movie, did a movie called Gas. Same year, um, came out in nineteen eighty one too. I don't know if anybody's seen this. It's like a it's Canadian a comedy. comedy. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to watch it now. About gas prices. That's, Is it? That's what it said it was oh, on I... IMDb. No, it said it's like about like the like an investigative journalist looking into like gas prices and markups and like weird stuff happening. With I'm gonna gas. watch this movie. Yeah, I don't know. And then it ends with a multiple car chase. That's in the synopsis. Oh yeah, I need to see it. I love me a good car chase. Uh, I don't this don't remember the score. I watched it yesterday. <laughs> I don't remember we... the score. Okay, Ryan, we both watched it yesterday and we didn't watch it together. Yeah, that's dumb. That was really silly of us. Right when you text me, I just finished it. You're like, have you watched the movie yet? And And I was like like, halfway through. And he was watching it. I'm like, cool. We live two minutes away from each other. And we sat and watched the movies alone. I don't remember the score. (laughs) Uh, So it is very like Silent Night, Deadly Night, where it's just like the do-do-do-do-do of the Ah, piano. Okay. Uh, Um, Nothing, not my cup of tea. Yeah, it usually, doesn't build a lot of dread. It's just like, oh, something's happening. Do, 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 do. It's hard for me. If a score doesn't stand out, I probably didn't care for it that much. I'm also just like a total sucker for synthwave scores. Thanks, John Carpenter. You ruined yeah. scores forever for me. No, uh, the Bear McCreary um, Happy Death Day one is hella good. And yeah. you forgot. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I'm just like, if, so, okay, maybe if it, like, it just... If a movie doesn't have a lot of, like, silent moments where I'm listening to the score, yeah. which Halloween obviously does, and then, like, other horror movies I can think of, like, It Follows, like, obviously the score is incredible. It's a character. Yeah, <laughs> or, like, the guest. So, yeah. like, if it doesn't have a lot of those silent moments for me to follow the score with, sometimes I just get lost in, like, the kills, and I'm not paying attention to the score. Or the score has to be, like, really discordant, like, yeah. Tourist Trap, where I'm like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> Uh, for me to notice so well, i'm not I saying i'm definitely not saying some, it's bad no I'm just i think in some movies it's meant to be something you don't notice i don't think that i don't think in this film they're like you need to pay attention to the score mm-hmm. it's really just there to be like oh there's a dead body do 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 like that's it it, it accentuates yeah it's accentuates yeah. it's not building to anything this right. is not a building score which i think is help helps build slashers to be scarier um, and so when it lacks that, you you miss out on those vibes a little bit. But I also think like one thing I've definitely learned, and like hanging out with the group of people I hang out with, and like discussing music and movies and stuff so much, I've learned that like people watch and listen to things differently. Like if I were to watch this with my friend Jared or uh, Derek, they would one hundred percent be like, "What is happening with the score?" Because they're like 
they're both musicians and they listen to like things very musically like even when i listen to music i listen to lyrics a lot i'm like god the lyrics are so bad and jared will be the first one to point out but like oh but did you hear that guitar part and i'm like no no i just hear what they're saying yeah Yeah, that's how i think too so like same with movies too i'm such a like dialogue listener too or like paying attention to like what's happening story-wise that sometimes i lose track of like a score so it's something i need to get better at listening to especially with the podcast i was directed by a hungarian hungarian director george mihalka Mil, me, Halka, something, something Hungarian, Hungarian, sorry. Sorry, George. Um, but, like, went to school in Canada and uh, is... made a variety of things, but, like, his big note was he made a movie called La Florida mm-hmm. about Quebec snowbirds, and it was the highest grossing Canadian film of 1992. Yeah, I looked it up because I really, I do like this movie, um, and watching it, I was like, oh, I should, like, see if this guy did anything else genre nope this is it he did like a ton of he just makes notes like he just did every genre he just did he just Mm -hmm. made movies he wanted to make but i mean think successful yeah um is written by john beard um who hasn't done anything except for this and then an uncredited co-screenplay for happy birthday to me which was also 1981 what the hell yeah big slasher year yeah massive they were just all trying to get it on that uh, Halloween hype. Oh, well, yeah, especially. They're like, many, oh, let's get all of them so out as we can. Yeah. So cast, uh, TJ is played by Paul Kelman, and that is our British actor. Yes. Who really overcorrects with his Canadian accent. Tries so hard to be Canadian So hard. Sometimes. Oh, hey, guys, how are you doing? He's the most Canadian. And I'm like, oh. But he'll break accent sometimes and go, like, hardcore British. And that's, like, I noticed because B pointed out, she's like, when I was like, these guys are so Canadian, she's like, except lead who's British. I was like, that makes sense because there were a couple times where he's talking, and I was like, that is not a Canadian <laughs> that accent. Wrong. That's something different. Also, most of the movie, they well, they slip back and forth between calling him TJ or Jesse. They because this was driving me fucking crazy. His name is like, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. It's like Terrence James or so, or Jesse. It, like his middle name is Jesse, so the J is Jesse. So they'll call him Jesse sometimes, which is the second part of his name. It was driving me nuts because I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're calling this guy TJ, but oh, she was, is calling yeah. him Jesse. And I was like, what is his name? The Jesse? <laughs> like, is that his name? Like, I'm so oh confused. Oh my God, please name your future children that. Yeah, the the Jesse. Jesse. But he like, they never mention his first name, I don't think, in the whole movie. It's like in the credits. But they call him TJ or Jesse, but not by his first name, whatever it is. The his yeah, first name is the, the Jesse. Uh, not in much. Uh, he was in Gas, the yeah. movie that we talked about. Black Roses, Caged Men Plus One Woman. His last role was in a TV show in 1993 called Class of 96. He was the most handsome one. Uh, yeah. He was like a good looking guy. I was like, He kind of reminded me of, I can't think of that. I always forget that actor's name, but... Um, He's like in Vanity Fair. He he's like British, I think, and he always kind of plays the bad guy. Uh, I'll think of it or I'll it. look it up. But uh, I anyhow, agree with you because really normally handsome. I think that most people in these movies are not attractive. And as I was watching it, I once again found myself thinking that, except for this guy, I thought he was actually. I agree. I was like, oh, he's kind of like, like handsome. Like he he has that. Like he was the uh, he was definitely the most handsome of all of them. 
Um, Lori Hellier uh, is Sarah. That's like our final girl. Um, she's like the like the lead girl. Like uh, our two main characters, TJ and Axel, are both in love with her. Um, she was mostly a TV and actress. Like ton. She's in so. I think she has like over a hundred credits. She's in a lot of stuff. But um, like a lot of nothing really notable. Yeah, she's in one episode of Star Trek Voyager. That yeah, that I put that because yeah. I was like, oh, Star Trek. And she played uh, Mrs. Trent in Strange Days at Blake Halsley High, whatever yeah. that is. It's what? Like, what is that? Oh my god! What is uh, it? How man, I'm way more Canadian than you. Uh, it's a Canadian TV show that I was obsessed with as a kid. It's called Strange Days at Blake Halsley High. Um, I think they used to play it on like the Discovery Channel or something. But it's like, did you ever watch My Life with Derek? Yes. Okay, so the main kid in that is the main kid in um, Strange Days. Okay. And so it's about a campus, like a high school boarding school type place, where like really weird things happen. There's like a portal, and they're like in science class, and it's like a supernatural type show. There's always like weird, crazy things happening. It's and like, like the real life Danny Phantom? Yeah. Okay. And like the principal is like a bad guy, and it's I loved it. I was super obsessed with it. I was wondering why you included that. I was like, yeah, because oh, this okay. is genre esque. Yeah, I need to watch oh, that no, show for sure. Uh, <laughs> Neil Affleck plays Axel, who is the other uh, lead protagonist. Um, so basically, like TJ is like the kind of like dark brooding. He left town and came back, and everyone hates him now. Well, not everyone, but like everyone's kind of upset because he just left on his own accord and like didn't tell anyone. And he comes back and inserts himself back into their lives and then axel's like the good old boy who stayed home and has like stayed with the mining community and he's with sarah now and he's like the blonde like i guess like more conventionally attractive one he's got like you know the totally 80s feathered hair tj's way hotter this guy oh rufus sewell yeah 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 yeah. i know exactly you're talking about but doesn't don't they kind of look alike? yeah they do and i've always thought it's their it's their brow line is what does it um (laughs) He was in mostly small acting roles. Now he's an animator, which yeah. is super bizarre. Uh, he's done Rocco's Modern Life, King of the Hill, The Simpsons. He's directed some of The Simpsons and Family Guy. So he's very successful in the animation Yeah, world. he was in for The Simpsons movie. He was like the lead animation director. So good job, Neil yeah. Affleck. Cool. Not related to Ben Affleck. Uh, found that out too. Because he looked. Uh, I don't know who the rest of these characters are. Uh, like they're like you connected names to people. I don't know. I know Chief Yubi. Yeah, and Hollis is like the chubby guy. Oh, with the mustache. Yeah. Okay. So um, Keith Knight is Hollis. He was in Meatballs, Gas. He was a voice actor for Care Bears. No. Okay. So I kept finding relations with these guys, and so the guy who plays the chief, like the sheriff, is also in the Care Bears family. It's like they all like stayed together, which is like kind of cool. Well, they're very Canadian, so like. Oh, those Canadians yeah. gotta yeah. stick together. Yeah. Um, Alf Humphreys is Howard. He actually just passed away yesterday. I saw that the, on Twitter. January 31st. Oh, so not yeah. long ago. Okay. But yeah, just passed away a few weeks ago. Yeah. Really uh, sad. He was in X-Men 2 as Bobby Drake's dad. Uh, First Blood as Lester, uninvited as a priest. Um, yeah. I've I, seen all those movies. He was very jolly in this movie. I just, that's all I kept thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he Dale, was like the class clown. Yeah. Cynthia Dale as Patty, numerous TV shows and TV's movies. She's kind of like the other girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, whereas Sarah is our main girl, Patty's like her best friend that kind of like is um also like the uh scream queen-esque character Mm -hmm. in this one because she's like with them mostly through the end of the movie uh and then helene udi as sylvia i don't know who that is either sylvia's was dating hollis 
Oh, got it, got yeah. it, got it. And she, okay. like, doesn't want to leave his body. Gotcha. Oh, spoiler alert, they yeah. die. They die. <laughs> Don Franks is Chief Yubi. He was in Hemlock Grove. Uh, like B said, he was in Carrie Bear's Family. And then a bunch of genre-related shows. If you saw him, you'd know him. Yeah. Um, like, he's one of those guys you're like, I know that guy. Uh, Goosebumps, Erie, Indiana, which, by the way, just went off on Amazon. Uh, Alfred oh, Hitchcock that Hour. Really hilariously. Yeah, he did. In Didiana. Yeah, B spelled it Irie in Didiana. Indiana. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, definitely a holiday slasher. Yeah. And definitely a teen scream. Yeah. Both very much. Like, they're definitely, I mean, they're in their early 20s, so I mean, not. it doesn't really matter. It's still yeah. like that Instead of a feel. high school or instead of a college campus, they are minors together. Yep. They're young adults. It's a young adult scream. And it's um, also, I mean, this is like the heyday for holiday slashers. Yeah. I mean, we're talking every studio in Hollywood was looking for something to ride the coattails yeah. of Halloween. And this is Paramount. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you're just looking, like, I, I, I wish we had another resurgence of holiday slashers because I love them all. But yeah. um, this is, and, you know, surprisingly, Valentine's Day, for how much heart, like, uh, uh, iconography, yeah. yeah, there is, there's very little Valentine's Day slashers, or like it's this Valentine that I can think of. I'm sure there's more if I were to like research a little bit. But famous ones? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even call Valentine famous. I'd say. What? That movie's hella famous. I'd say it's a product of what time we grew up in. No, oh my God. No, 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 no. Like, if that you're... movie was on TV all the time, that's how oh, I first saw it. That. Ugh. And I was very confused as like a 10 year old laying in my bunk bed. And I was like, wow, what's happening? Yeah, I don't know, but that that's Angel. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> David Boreanaz is definitely in this movie. I definitely want to rank it. It's as famous as, like, it's less famous than Urban Legend. I would say it's, like, as famous yeah, as... Yeah, but Urban Legend's... I don't know. Don't talk to me. I'm just a dumb millennial who <laughs> thinks Valentine's really famous. Yeah. Oh, super famous. Didn't Jamie Blank direct that, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, the iconic <laughs> weapon is a pickaxe, uh, which is used... Fairly frequently. Every single kill. No, not every yes. kill. No. He uses it at least to start it. Yes. It's yes. his, like, weapon We finally to, have yeah. a killer who literally uses his weapon. I mean, he carries it at all times. Like, it, um, it's very much, like, the main... So, and here's the thing. Uh, we we're, Since we're going to deep dive into this. Uh, so, the pickaxe is the iconic weapon. And the next part we're talking about is the killer himself, herself. So... I, right before we started the show, I was talking to B about how crazy it is. When you talk about this movie, when horror fans discuss this movie, they, like I even have a shirt like that was made by this company called Electric Zombie. It looks like um, a fighting game character select screen, and Harry Warden's on it. It like, says Harry Warden, um, and he's got like his whole gear on. Harry Warden is not the murderer in this movie. He's not the murderer in the remake either. Like, he murders people. So but the, he is not our murderer. But he is not the killer. So the whole backstory of Harry Warden comes back, and he kill, he kills, like, three people. Yeah. About about three. Because then they stop the dance. Yeah, so he kills these supervisors uh, of the uh, of the mine to get back at them. And he it's very graphic. He rips their hearts out. Like, yeah. full-on pickaxe to the chest, rips their hearts out. It's really cool. But he, like, he... He 
kills them and he kind of disappears and they can't find him and he like leaves a message basically like if you if you do this valentine's day dance again i'll come back for you so the rumor is he comes back every valentine's day to check to see if they're doing the dance apparently he's in like a mental hospital yeah so harry warden kills like maybe three people um and he does like he's he cannibalizes his Mm -hmm. fellow miners because he's trapped in the in the mine but he's not our killer and it's funny because when you talk about this movie and, like, when genre fans discuss it, you speak of Harry Warden in the same way you would say, like, oh, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. But he's not our killer. Mm-mm. Our main killer is Axel. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't even have a last name. No. So it's just Axel, this goofy, like, feather-haired blonde dude yeah. who's kind of a douchebag and a misogynist and, like, feels very entitled about himself. And... We do get his backstory, backstory finally, like, well, and it's, like, it's like 10 minutes before the movie's over. If that. Yeah. Probably like five minutes, and the backstory is like two seconds. Yeah, it's a quick flashback, so we basically find out that Harry Warren, while he's killing these supervisors, at the very beginning of the movie, like, it shows them, and it flashes back to that same scene we see where, like, the supervisor's getting ready to go to the dance and turns around, Harry Warren rips his heart out. Under the bed is his son, the who supervisor's son, who is Axel. And he's got, like, blood smeared all yeah, over him. Yeah, so he's he becomes traumatized. And so when they do this dance 20 years later, he takes on the Harry Warden guys. He goes into a blood rage. Yeah, basically. How many movies have we been able to use the blood rage uh, phrase I now? I hope we get to just use it on all of them. But, uh, yeah, so Axel is our killer. Mm-hmm. It is not Harry Warden, which lowers our kill count, by the way, because... Yeah. Uh, the Harry Warden, Harry Warden gets about three kills, but Axel himself gets about eight. He gets 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 eight. eight. So there would have been 11, but without the Harry Warden kills, it lowers it quite a bit. Yeah. And he's not our killer. So. Yeah. So it's very, it's just very interesting. It would be like, it's just kind of, it would be like if you were to go back and watch something like a child's play movie and you're like, oh, Chucky doesn't even kill anyone in this movie. Like, it's this other guy. Or like, oh, Chucky just killed two people, and then this other doll named uh, Dave kills the rest of them. Yeah, like, inspired by Chucky. Yeah, so it's it's kind of bizarre. No, uh, it is weird, too, because I was thinking about it when we were watching it, and, like, we usually talk about it, especially when we're ranking it, like, oh, was it a whodunit? Or was it in, like, no, we know right from the start. This movie leads you to believe right from the start it is Harry Warden. There's no whodunit. It's we have a crazy cannibal uh-huh. who... Is checking in and he's come back because 20 years later you decided to hold the dance. There's no question about it. You don't have, why would you have any questions? It sets you up pretty solidly. It's literally only if you've never seen it before, at the very end, you get a genuine, like, holy shit twist ending. Yeah, especially it's Axel. Because Axel is with them the majority of, like, the final chase scene. It's just he has been, like, deceptively killing people because he's with everyone. Yeah. So it's not until later when he's separated and is able to come back in the suit. But it's a very smart movie because the whole time, like, the cop, um, Chief Yubi, and the mayor are looking for Harry Warden to be like, hey, we need to find him because we got to find out if if this actually is him or not. So they're, like, calling the mental institution, and they're like, we have no records, which means he's either released or dead. And they're like, well, which one is it? And she's like, I don't know. we got to figure it out. It'll take a couple days. Yeah, so, like, there is, like, this kind of, like, aura of, like, is it Harry Warden? And if it isn't Harry Warden, who could it be? And, like... It, the the remake plays it up a lot more, but this one does do a like a sly little bit of like, well, if it isn't Harry, 
Yeah. I guess it could be TJ because he did leave yeah. and come back and no one knows anything about mm-hmm. him anymore. And, and he's then there's gone. a lot of scenes in the mine when you're watching this where he's like, I'm going to go over here, ladies. And you're like, oh, my God. So rewatching it, um, it makes you think like, oh, like I was kind of second guessing myself. So I'm the opposite. I've seen this one more than the remake. Um, and I've seen it more recently. I also have a terrible memory. Like, I can go a couple years without seeing something, and I'll forget who the killer is. If it's not something that I'm, like, I've seen multiple times, it's ingrained in my memory. If I've only seen it once, and then I wait a couple years, I can forget. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It makes things terrible. more rewatchable. Yeah, I just have a terrible memory. But with this, I was like, I remember it being Axel, probably because I was like, oh, that little douchebag. Yeah. And, like, I never liked him. And then I'm, like, going, I'm, like, wait, is it TJ? Like, when he kept going off by himself, I'm, like, fuck, maybe it's TJ. Like, I don't remember. Well, especially because I'm not going to, like, say it explicitly, but, like, they do change certain things in the remake. Yeah. So then you're, like, wait, am I thinking yeah. of the remake or am I thinking of this I know, it's one? hard. And we'll talk about all of that in the next episode. We're going to, like, compare the two and dive into that. But, yeah, I really like using that device of, here's your killer, just kidding. Yeah, like he's not I mean, our killer. Yeah. It's really here's your nice. killer flat out. Yeah, it's this guy, and maybe maybe it's this guy. Psych, it's not either of those guys. It's yeah. this other guy, and it doesn't feel forced or cheesy either. It's not like shoehorned in where you're like, well, that was BS because they were just trying to shock us. Like it does work. You like when you go back and watch it, you're like, shit, it works. Yeah, like it does work. Like just um, and Axel's like never there for the kills either. Just as much as TJ isn't, and like the way he acts, you're like, oh, these all make sense. Um, the movie kicks off great boobs murder like right from the get-go oh my god it is the there's like not any sex in this film there is no lead up to that either no it just starts and my favorite part is just so insane to me is when she's like stroking his like uh tube for breathing and Uh i'm like holy this is insanely like graphic and um wow all right and i'm just like watching i'm like this is how the movie's opening like whoa yeah it's literally just a dude in a miner suit who we find out later is axel leading this girl into the mines and she just takes her top off and i mean she has a bra on i thought i saw her boobs no she has a bra on really yeah anyways he and then he sat she has a heart tattoo like right above her right above her heart and she just um he stabs her right through the heart, and that's how the movie kicks off, which is a great way to kick off your movie. Um, and then it actually kind of like – it's good that it kicks off that way because we get the flashbacks with Harry Warden killing the supervisors. But other than that, we don't get a kill for a while. Um, and what's funny about this movie is it only – it has like – uh, it's pretty sparing with its kills until the last 15 minutes, and it just like – kicks its ass into overdrive and it just it's like a murder spree which i kind of really like because we don't get that very often um so the first kill is mabel she is like she's kind of uh she owns like a laundromat in the town and she's she's an older woman um she's the first one to die she's killed with a axe and she's left in a dryer and um that's when he leaves a note um because the Police chief and the mayor have already received the heart of the other girl with a note. And so this is the second note. And it's like, says something about like, it, it rhymes. It was like, 
blah 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 i killed twice if you hold the dance i'll kill thrice or something like that uh-huh. that's when they decide like they have to cancel the dance is that the remake or the re- oh she is wearing a bra okay yeah i'd remember boobs yeah, yeah. Um, there's no nudity in this film. There's no sex. So, and and that's something too. Um, so this movie is very uh, cut. It was cut a lot, um, and the uncut version is very hard to find. Uh, I did find some of the uncut kills online. I was telling B because she's the one who told me actually. Like I was watching it, and then she's like, "There's an uncut version that's supposed to be like way more brutal." And so I found the uncut kills online, and they they very much are like way way more graphic. Uh, it's a shame that it's out of print now because I would love to own that copy of the movie. I guess uh, they go for a pretty penny online. Yeah, but the the kills are still good. They they're are. just like when I see the kills, when I saw the uncut ones, they're like they're they just amp it up another level. Because um, the next kill is Happy the bartender, who is perhaps my favorite character in the yeah. movie. Um. <laughs> This scene is so good, too, because all the kids are sitting there about, they're, they're sitting in the bar, and they're like, this sucks, they canceled the dance, we want to party, and they're like, let's throw our own party. And uh, they're like, scream. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, but watch out for, ooh, Harry Warden. And they just literally, like, cut to Happy the Bartender, close face, like, you kids better not joke about what you don't know about. And he's, like, yelling at them. And they're like, okay, old man. And then he he decides to prank them. And he sets up a Harry Warden, like he sets up a miner suit with a pickaxe in this door. So when they open the door, the axle rays. And he seriously sits there for like five full minutes, opening and closing the door. Like just, giggling at his own joke. hysterically laughing. Like he starts by giggling, but by the end he's literally like howling at his own joke. And the way he dies is he sets it up and he walks away. And he thinks he's so funny that he comes back to do it again. And then he gets murdered. Uh, so I, I don't know. So the axe through the stomach, I think in the cut version, it doesn't show the full. Because the uncut, it goes through his chin and the pickaxe comes out of no, his eye. No, you don't see that. Yeah. So yeah. in the uncut one, the axe goes through his chin, up through his face, his and the pickaxe comes out of his eye with his eye on Gross. it. It's fantastic. It was so good. I loved it. Gross. 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 Um, uh, also, his name is Happy. Yeah. Which is just I, so No, good. I was just thinking, I'm like, man, I wish people were still named Happy. That used to be a somewhat common name. Yeah. 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 It's, they it's call nice. him Hap. Yeah. yeah I like it. Also, that is my husband. <laughs> that character laughing at their own joke, that is him. That's the whole thing I thought. I'm like, that, that would be Ben. Yep. He did that. He would just be giggling the whole time. He can't contain himself. Uh, and, yeah, and the next kill is Dave, um, one of our couples. The next five are pretty good. Like, yeah, back just back all back of back. our couples. Yeah. Um, so he's, like, getting ready for the party. He's, like, boiling hot dogs. Um, and his face gets shoved in the boiling water. And what I like about this kill, too, is that his face is in and, like, nothing's really happening. It almost looks like he's drowning. And then you start to see, like, his skin get really red and start eroding away, which is a really cool effect. And then later, like, when the girls the girls find they're boiling the hot dogs again, they find his heart in the boiling water. And when they open the fridge to grab some beer, they don't see it, but we see, like, his dead body. And it's really cool, and his face is all, like, bubbled over. And all the hearts in this look really cool, which yeah. is important in a movie that focuses so much on that. 
because uh, I feel like if they were to look like cheap, it would like lessen. Well, they're probably just animal heart. There is one animal that has like a heart like really similar to ours. Yeah, they're really good. I think cows. Is it cows? Or pigs. Yes, pigs, it's I think. pigs, yeah. yeah maybe. Um, don't, don't quote us on that, really but I think so. Uh, then Sylvia, which I think is Dave's girlfriend. Yes. Yeah, we go in like couple order. Because they were going to have sex on the coal train. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she gets impaled with like shower pipes. Um, and then, like, the water, like, spurts out of her mouth. That's a good kill, too. Yeah. He, like, takes, he, he, like, holds her up and he shoves her through the pipe so it pops through the back of her head. And then, yeah, water's coming out. So yeah. that was a really solid kill, too. And then we get Hollis, um, who gets shot from afar with a nail gun, which is, I think, probably one of the most off-brand kills in this. It yeah. just seems kind of random. But I guess that's in the mine. So, um, he gets, like, shot right through his forehead. Um, and then, uh, Howard, the coward. Yeah. Who, like, runs away from the girls. Because the girls are, like, staying by, um, Hollis's body. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, doesn't want to leave. Like, his girlfriend doesn't want to leave. And they're, like, oh, well, we have to. He's dead. He's dead. And Howard's, like, oh, I'm getting out of here. And he runs away. And then, like, as the girls are, like, climbing the stairs, like, eventually when they... Later down the running away, you see him, like, drop from the rafter, and mm-hmm. he's been hung. Yeah, and again, in the uncut one, it's much more graphic. Like, he drops to the rafter, and he's, like, hanging there, and Patty's screaming, looking at him, and the rope slowly, like, cuts away at his neck and rips his head off, and then his head gets ripped off, and his body falls to the ground. Um, that's when I was, like, watching the uncut kills. I told B, even, like, by today's standard, Oh, it I was, does like, happen. What? In the... Look. Oh, d- yeah. So yeah. it happens in that in the in the cut one, but in the uncut one, it's like longer. Yeah. Like, which is what I read too when I was reading up on it. It's like a lot of the stuff that was cut. It was like just longer sequences yeah. of of gore or violence. So they had to like shorten them because they just weren't allowed to be as long as that. Um, and then uh, Patty is killed with a pick to the stomach, which is probably like one of the lesser graphic ones. Yeah. Um, it's pretty basic. They're on to other things. She's the last kill, and then and then that's when we get into our chase scene, and we find out it's definitely not TJ. TJ yeah, cause because TJ's running with Sarah, and they're running on like the train car. Yeah, that scene's kind of goofy. It's, really it's like weird. a chase. It, it like literally plays out like an old school like comedy chase scene where they like jump on this train car and they're like moving from cart to cart, and then they have like this really clunky fight scene. Only the fight scene on the car is clunky. Like, once they actually break into the mine, yeah. it gets much better. But it just, like... The choreography was a little it's, off. Yeah, and you could probably tell... Like, it's not stuntmen, so you could no. probably tell that they just weren't comfortable doing stuff on a moving coal train. So, yeah. like, that's, like... It, it's fine. Um, it didn't, like... It was a little goofy, like, watching it. It definitely didn't, like, pull me out of the movie. Um, and then the sheriff has, at this point, figured out what's happening. So he rushes. Well, he doesn't the know exactly town. what's happening. Yeah. But, like, the whole, the whole town basically rushes to the coal mine because they figure out the kids are still having a party there. And um, they do trap Axel, but he rips his own arm off and runs away. Yeah. So, because he gets like his arm is trapped under these rocks, and he just like rips his own arm off. And yeah, because Sarah away. runs back, and she's like, "I have to see him. I have to see." And then he runs, and he goes, "Sarah, my Valentine." Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, and he sings the ballad of Harry yeah. Warden. And um, he runs away with his ar- decapitated arm. Yeah, he does a good job too. At like, I thought once the mask is pulled off, it's interesting because like Sarah pulls his mask off when he's about to murder TJ, and there's like this weird, like kind of like. 
um it's almost like he was like clouded over with it and then like he kind of comes to a little bit like realizes like oh i'm the killer and but he plays madness very well i thought um which is important in a slasher yes um so i thought he did like a good job with that um my favorite kill is definitely happy especially since i saw the uncut kill yeah and it's amazing i think i really like i like the first kill yeah i like how it sets up and how the the pickaxe goes right through her heart tattoo Mm -hmm. and there's something that's just so i don't know like since such a graphic message of um yeah like the iconography that we're going to see through the whole film and like sets the theme forward so nice with the first kill i also think it's like i agree with like it's a really good kill and it's a good way to because the first like third the the movie's only an hour and a half and so like the first other than the flashback kills like the first 40 minutes we don't get any kills Mm-mm. maybe we get even to, longer actually we, like i think it's a little hour. bit longer i mean we do get mabel and happy in right. there but when mabel's we, not very graphic at all like the, the kill, kill isn't but her body that's yeah. like that's probably my favorite after yeah is seeing her body like in the dryer is really and like her skin is all like and you the reason he finds her is because he smells something yeah and that is just sick Um, it's just so gross that's something that like i definitely took away from this was like it's super bloody like Mm -hmm. i mean it is so like you go back and you watch movies that like it might like i mean i think halloween is a better movie than this but like halloween's not very gory Mm-mm. like at all and honestly even until the later ones neither is friday the 13th the kills are pretty creative in friday the 13th but there's not for, a lot of gore but there's not a lot of gore like you see a lot of like i mean you see a lot of like machete hacking or like pitchforks and like things like that but there's not a lot of like actual gore these are gory shit like uh-huh. i'm talking like blood soaked clothing like super gory and i kind of dig it like mm-hmm. i i'm all about that gore so I really like that about this movie that it was like because sometimes you watch slasher and say like someone's stabbing someone with a knife and like you get your basic knife wounds and it's like a little bit of smeared blood or whatever no this guy has a pickaxe and he's stabbing you and it's like gushing blood because he's stabbing Piercing you through your skin yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like and that first kill does do that very well like it shows the pickaxe mm-hmm. go into her body like gushing yeah. blood that's my favorite kill that's a good one um yes and like I I think outside of that i i really love the scene where you do see harry ward rip that guy's heart out it's brutal mm-hmm. as shit like he full on the guy's just laying there on the ground and harry warden tears his pickaxes of this guy and just full on takes his full heart out of his body um so that was good too uh in the horror landscape i think we we kind of discussed yeah, this we talked about that already. yeah it's definitely like an important one as far as holiday slashers go i would rank it like i think it's actually probably more at least significant and well-known than Silent Night, Deadly mm-hmm. Night. Yes. I would put it, like, right under Halloween and Friday the 13th as well, as far as, like, like Halloween slash or yeah. holiday slashers, yeah. Um, it blows my mind that this didn't create a franchise or create yeah, a I sequel. Yeah, I still baffles me. And so I remember the first time I watched this, I'm trying to remember, I think I saw the remake first. So I remember seeing the remake in theaters. I went to the theaters and saw it. And the joy, and I think I've talked about that, like my connection with a lot of millennial horror is because it was finally the age that I could go see it in theaters right. and have that experience. So in the remake came out in 2009. Yes. So I was 16, 17 at the time. And so, yeah, I could go to the theaters and go see it. 
I think I saw it and then that also was the time where I was super getting into horror. I think I saw the um, the original after. The thing that's so great about it is I vividly remember loving the original and not making comparisons. Mm-hmm. Like just taking it and going like, I really liked this movie. And that is when I was getting into things like The Burning and stuff like that. They're also very different movies. They are. Like, and they're, like they, they carry the same like thread of like the plot. But yeah. other than that, like... Very, very yeah. different movies. And I think that helps too. And so I watched this the first time and I really liked it. And I think for its space, like in the horror world, it still holds up really well mm-hmm. as its own film yep. and a good film. Yep. And it is insane, especially because of the franchises that we got, that this didn't spawn. And there's so many things, like even just like, the outfit to me is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, that's one thing I love about horror when they take something like Happy Death Day, they take something as innocuous as like a baby mask mm-hmm. and they make it creepy. And like, this is a minor, like it's what yeah. minors legit wear when yeah. they have to work. And it's like, they make it really creepy and terrifying. Yeah. And I, I like, I think the poster does a good job of like showcasing that, but also just like, there's a lot of shots in this of like directly on him um, and another thing I liked about this too was uh, more than the movies we've watched, there's a lot of POV shots, which um, we haven't run into too much uh, with the movies that we've seen. But there's a lot from like his perspective, not necessarily kills, but like when he walks in the laundromat or when he's like following Sarah. So there is like some. Yeah, they POV use that stuff. device a little bit more in the remake. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I really liked it. Um, before we rank it the last like little bit of trivia we have it was originally actually titled secrets um which makes a lot of sense and they retitled it to help boost the popularity and try to um uh, capitalize on the success of the other slashers at the time that were named after holiday movies so it was always a valentine's day movie but they didn't originally have that name but they wanted to boost that more so they changed the name to my bloody valentine which is great because that is a much better name than secrets Mm -hmm. uh where would you rank this i'm looking at our list so if you guys want to you can always go to keepscreaming.com slash the dash list and uh we update our list after every episode uh as of now we have viewed seven movies uh happy death day is number one urban legend is number two Hatchet is number three. Silent Night, Deadly Night is number four. Most Likely to Die is number five. Blood Rage is number six. And Terror Train is number seven. Um, I think for me, I think this is better than Urban Legend. Why? Uh, I think the killer is super uh, iconic. I think he has a motive that flows well, which is one of the things we love about Urban Legend too, is like that kind of motive. Yeah. And he uses he uses that consistent weapon. He's very like like I love the Valentine's Day motif, how he's sending people Valentine's Day. That's mm-hmm. one thing we forgot to mention. Like he puts people's hearts in these Valentine's Day boxes yeah. and then leaves it them really, as Valentine's Day. Really uh, holds gives, its theme. Yeah, it holds its theme. Like it stays true to its theme very well. Yes, which I love. Um I think that the killer is not like we 
I think it's smart with the kill. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that we don't have a ton of backstory on Axel because the whole time we have backstory on Harry and we think it's Harry. Mm-hmm. And then even when we don't think it's Harry, we think it's TJ, who we also have backstory on. So, like, the yeah. two people we're led to believe it could be mm-hmm. we have backstory on. So when it's a true curve, when they throw us the curveball of, like, oh, just kidding, it's Axel, and we can't explain it, like, really quickly without having to... Because that's in the heart of the climax. So without oh, yeah. having to derail the movie. Um, and I, I just, like, I love how gory and, like, fully, like, it embraces. Like, the like it's not... At, there's no part of this movie to me where I'm like, oh, this is cheesy. Like in Blood Rage, like over the top gore, like in that scene, you know, in the office with the guy, but like where he chops his hand off. But uh-huh. like it's never, it never ever even gets close. Like this is cheesy. No, it's a very serious film. It's very serious. It feels very like lived, like the characters feel very real. Like I love, you know, like I think this is the first movie we've talked about where we have so many, other than Urban Legend, where we have so many of the ancillary characters, like noted because they all do it comes down to those last like six eight characters yeah you know these characters yeah. it's not like even in i mean in hatchet you kind of know them but like silent day night deadly light like we don't know the cast we you don't you're not led to care about them this, no, they're literally introducing a montage yeah this film gives like what i think is the my personal favorite and my favorite because i think it is the most successful way to build the slasher formula where you have um, a kill that starts it all mm-hmm. in the very beginning, and then it breaks, and then you learn about the cast, and that cast yes. is usually a little bit later than that first kill. It's like, oh, this is a year later. This is how these people are related to that kill. And in this situation, it's we have our first kill, and then we learn that that's because of an urban legend, and that urban legend is here because of 20 years ago, and here are the kids that that urban legend is going to affect. Do you know what this movie does? Hmm. It has the same formula. Not formula, but like that's the same structure as Scream. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. We that's that what I'm saying. Kill, it's the Scream. And yeah. then it's a it's while. It's what Scream is based on. We build our plot. Yeah. And that's, I love that. Yeah. I agree with you. I think you, that's Because the... you get to care about your characters because then as soon, and it's the same kind of like, we don't know who Ghostface is in Scream. Like mm-hmm. in this, it's like, it's Harry Warden. Mm-hmm. But you do, I mean, the mask comes off and it's the fucking boyfriend. Yep. And you're like, shit. Oh my God, you were here the whole time. It is Scream. Scream yeah. is based obviously on this formula, which I think is the best way to structure a slasher because... You get these gory kills, you get a cool killer with a theme that you believe in, but then you also get a cast of survivors that you care about, but not so much that you're like, no, I'm so mad, why'd you die? Right, yeah. And you get enough time with them that you don't feel robbed, where Mm -hmm. you're like, what? They're only in it for a couple minutes. Like, that was kind of, why'd we spend so much time on them and then they died or whatever? Um think happy death day is better i don't know um man i really like happy that day i just think it's so smart uh i love happy death day both have iconic killers and this is you know when we're keeping to get into judging movies that are very different 
We just noticed B put Happy Death Day as 20 or 2007, not 2017. Yeah, 2007, guys. They're very different, too, because, like, I, it's, like, I want to know, it's always, like, it's hard for me to separate my brain because, like, it's really impressive when I watch a movie from 1981. I'm like, holy shit, this still stands up. Like, this still, like, is such a good movie. When I watch a movie from last year, and I'm like, oh, I mm-hmm. love this movie. Because, like, I'm like, in 37 years, could I watch Happy Death Day and be like, holy shit, this is still a fantastic movie. And, so I, and, like, to me, that might give my bloody Valentine a little bit of an edge. Because yeah. you're like, well, it has lasting power. It's 37 years. Yeah. Of, it's almost 40 years old, yeah. and you still watch it. And it's still graphic. It's yeah. still smart. Like, yeah. You still care about the characters. I think it comes down to... Do we think that a movie that literally shaped slashers is better than a movie that broke everything about what a slasher is? Right. We're comparing the two. I think it easily can take... I mean, I do think it's better than Urban Legend. Mm -hmm. I think it's easily... I think the question is, is My Bloody Valentine what it is and what it meant for slashers going forward, too, and how it used it, all of its devices, is that better than Happy Death Day, which is took all of those devices and put a twist on it and gave us, you know. I think you're right. I think it might be better than Happy Death Day. I think Death it is. Day. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm okay with that. So we have a new number one. My Bloody Valentine. Woo, cool. 1981. Yeah. So we have a new number one, My Bloody Valentine. I think it's very deserving. I think it will get usurped yeah. at some point. Um, but Oh, yeah, I mean... We know what will be won eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's I'm I'm happy with that. When you break it down in that way, yeah. I totally agree. Like, cause Happy Death Day is really good and really mm-hmm. fun. But like, you're like, it wouldn't even have the convention to break if not for movies like My Bloody Valentine. And it's crazy watching because it's like you said, like how Scream follows it so much. And obviously, like when you think of like slasher movies, and you think of those like classic tropes. You think Halloween, you think of Nightmare, and you think of Friday. You don't, like, this movie doesn't get mentioned enough, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, it came out a lot earlier than you think, too. Like, 1991 yeah. is, like, still very early in the heyday of, mm-hmm. like, what when those slashers started getting really big. Well, yeah, because Silent Night, Deadly Night was 84, you know? Yeah, so I think it's well-deserving. And yeah. um, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I definitely, it's super good. It's, like, I, I don't know if we gave it enough praise even while talking about it. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so just like exactly what a slasher should be Mm -hmm. Um, it does i and i keep thinking about what we've talked about already and how we're like oh yeah so it does a theme but it's not like silent night deadly night it uses the theme but doesn't really use it with the kills or the killer doesn't do this we i don't have any of that with this movie it uses its killer it uses its theme mm -hmm. it gives us a cast that we care about um, it gives us a cast that's interesting. Yep. It makes the town. That's another thing that's really important about slashers is having a town. Yep. And or a location that feels like its own character and feels like a place you could visit. Mm-hmm. And Valentine's Bluff feels like a real place. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that is another thing that's super important that I don't think we notice until we watch a movie that doesn't have a good setting, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh man, something feels off. It's like, no, you need that in a slasher. It makes it better. It just has everything you You mean need. the weird, like, retirement home gated <laughs> community of Blood Rage isn't the, the place you can feel like you can visit? It doesn't feel like it has <laughs> enough character to it. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree. No, so I'm comfortable with yeah. My Bloody Valentine being number one. Yay, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where the remake falls. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched it, a couple years. And we've so. never compared it. Yeah, I've definitely never watched it this close to no. the original. Um, we should try and watch it together. We should, yeah. Uh, we should get a group to watch it. Yeah. Because it's just so new and has so many fun people in it. And we all love us some Jensen Ackles. Oh, Jensen Ackles. And Jamie King's in it too, right? Is or, she? Or is it Jamie Presley? One of the I blonde was, Jamies. One of the blonde Jamies. I was, I don't know. I forget. I know Kerr Smith from Dawson's Creek is in it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So uh, that's the next one we'll be uh, watching. So within two weeks, uh, two weeks from now, we'll have that one. And we will be comparing the two in that one. We'll talk about the My Bloody Valentine as its own movie, mm-hmm. and then we will compare the two and decide where it lays yeah absolutely i think that's one thing too because it will be the first remake that we Mm -hmm. discuss so i think that's one thing too that's important to know is like i think like when when we come down to ranking it it is important how it compares to the original to where we rank it like so it is something that has to be taken into effect um like into consideration when you're talking about where we're going to rank it um cool so if you guys want you can definitely reach out to us on twitter like i said it's at screaming cast you can find us on itunes you can find us on stitcher you can find us on Castbox. if you leave us any uh reviews or ratings on there it's greatly appreciated mm-hmm. um it really helps us out a lot more than you might think uh you can also buy bees poster designs like we were saying uh at keepscreaming.com and you can reach out to us online at ryan larson on twitter at be not be on twitter that's b-e-e not b-e-a or at streaming cast which we both can reply to mm-hmm. uh and yeah that's pretty much it so we'll be back in two weeks with another episode thank you to everyone for all the feedback so far we appreciate it um got lots of like good feedback for hatchet too i loved ben's reaction to where we ranked hatchet <laughs> yeah he was like yeah really that's yeah. three <laughs> Out of all the movies you've watched, it's three? He was uh, like, uh-huh. three from the top? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, I don't know. We might have a special kind of love for Hatchet that isn't reciprocated everywhere else. I guess we found that out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely my bloody Valentine next. And I don't think we have stuff super planned out for March. February, March. Uh, so uh, we'll put something out on Twitter and reach out to you guys. I know Cry Wolf was definitely a suggestion. And we love that And we love that, that movie. movie. So I think that might be necessary. Yeah. Especially... It'd be kind of good to go Jensen Jared. Yeah. So since we're not gonna do Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yet. So that would be good. So that. Or we could do House of Wax. That's a oh, Jared movie. I do love House of Wax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. And we could do remake, remake. I don't know. We got a couple possibilities. Then. Yes. Um. So uh, listen Happy to the Valentine's podcast. Day. Yeah. By the way. Go watch this and go watch the remake and don't rip any people's hearts out. Don't like watch... you can do it like figuratively. Yeah. Just not like literally. Uh, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you. Goodbye.